Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I'm here with yet another high demand coach, and that is the one and only Mike Acker. He's an executive communication coach, a keynote speaker, and the author of 10 books, including Speak with Confidence. His clients come from startups to Fortune 500 companies that you might have heard of, like Microsoft or Adobe, uh, and as well as professional sports players, uh, folks from international agencies, churches, and relief organizations as well. He's passionate about coaching business professionals to lead and speak with confidence. Well, Mike, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, it's been a, a while kind of getting to the point where we could finally sit down and record this episode. So I'm really excited to dive in. Before we do that, though, I'd love to just tell us a little bit about your story. What is it that you were doing before getting into executive communication coaching? And how did that ultimately lead you to make the leap? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, people need to know that when I talk about my speaking part, Sometimes people just assume it was just a natural. So let me just quickly preface. I was born and grew with, uh, with a speech impediment. And then I had some horrific stories of being bullied and, and actually psychosomatic fevers and flus when I lived in Mexico, standing in front of people and everybody laughing at me. Then I moved back to the United States and just did some amazingly embarrassing blunders in public speaking. So let me just preface that from there. I ended up overcoming a lot of that, which is what now I help people do. Overcoming that and then uh, ended up going into pastoral ministry. I started on a stage where the first day I spoke in front of people was eight people. And then a couple of people left. So I was <laughs> dwindling right away. And then by the end of my career, I was speaking to 10,000 people on a weekend. Wow. So after 18 years of doing that, I'm sitting around a campfire with somebody. Well, actually several people. And I said, you know, I... I've just been thinking about doing something different. And he said, I'd hire you in a heartbeat. I said, what do you do? And he ended up doing sales and it was medical sales. And it was in veterinary medicine. Hmm. And I said, well, I don't know anything about that. And he said, your communication and essentially your emotional intelligence, I'd hire you for that. So I made that switch. And right when I was making that shift, I wrote a book. Because I was coaching people on the side, been coaching people on the side for years. And I wrote a book and it just it just blew up. It was up on Forbes and all of a sudden it was on all these lists. Um, it's still, if you look up best public speaking books, my first book, Speak With No Fear, is on the majority of them. And when that happened, my coaching career started growing and growing and growing. Meanwhile, I'd shifted over sales, did that very successfully, took a $800,000 territory, turned it to $4 million. And I was doing both simultaneous. And then when the pandemic hit, 
I went full time into my coaching. Wow. Wow. So uh, unpack this a little bit for us because, I mean, we've all heard this stat and whether it's true or not, but people fear public speaking more than death. And you you had every right to fear public speaking, yet you kind of found yourself in this position. Why, why do you think you kept kind of either being pushed or pushing in that direction? And how did you ultimately overcome that? Yeah, I think there's a couple aspects to that. One, I think people looked at me and thought, oh, that guy looks like he's pretty outgoing. Let's put him in front. He doesn't look like that's really getting to him. So let's let's keep on putting him in front. Because I can, oh, yeah, it's a coach inside. I'm mortified, right? Which is a lot of people do. And yet that fear was was very real to me. And it's interesting, that fear right there. It's not that they fear when you really look at it. It's not that you actually fear speaking more than death. It's just that death is not as a, as immediate as that presentation you have on Tuesday. The presentation's coming on Tuesday. Death, well, hopefully that's when I'm 95 years old. I'm not really thinking about it. So that immediacy of, oh my gosh, it's coming now, and it gets everything up inside of people. So how did I overcome it? There was a lot of factors to it. And so part of the 10 books, and then like the seven workbooks that I have, all unpack a whole bunch of it. There's a couple of realizations I had, and one of them shows up in and speak with no fear. And that's, it's not about you. This moment right here, nobody tuned in, except for maybe your mom, Scott, but nobody tuned in to go, you know what, I'm going to show up on the podcast today. And I want to listen just to encourage Scott, every single person who tuned into the podcast, or is watching this on YouTube, you started watching this for you. Now, of course, you're a nice human being, but you hope Scott and I are doing well. Ultimately, though, you want something for you. So that was one major shift. I write about that and speak with no fear. But the other major shift I talk about in my newest book published by Wiley called Speak with Confidence. And I talk about that you are the message. And when I really understood more of me and got more comfortable in my own skin, then I got more comfortable on stage. Wow. So you bring up a point, uh, and it's kind of the introversion, extroversion, because some of the best speakers I know are actually introverts. Uh, and some of the folks who are most uh, worried about public speaking are extroverts. And and I, I think that surprises a lot of folks, because you think you take an extrovert, you put them in front of a bunch of people, and it's magical, right? But uh, so tell me a little bit, uh, it, you know, how does introversion, extroversion play into this? And what would be the challenges for folks on kind of either side of that spectrum when it comes to public speaking? Yeah, so... Introverts and extroverts, it's really about how you get charged and what fuels you. So an extrovert, a classically framed extrovert, is someone who, who gets energy, who gets renewed being with people. So I was on an airplane coming back from a mission trip from Mexico where we're just surrounded by people. And I was just done. I was just tired of people. I would be what I call an introvert. I'd come back to that. But my my friend, Amy, she's an extreme expert. So she came back from that trip and she went out to be fueled, re-energized, all of that by hanging out with people. So that's what an extrovert is. And an introvert is someone who gets energized, fueled on their own. So I come alive when I'm with people, but get fueled on my own, which I've now discovered a few years back that there's a classification of introverts. So that's that's more me. But if you look at those two classic categories, an extrovert, there's someone who they're they're feeding off the energy of the person. So if they have good enough content and good enough communication skills, 
then it, it seems like people are with them and it feels it. But many extroverts don't have great content. They don't have great ability to, to skillfully speak. And so people tune out and then that kills them because they feel people are not with them. Mm. So that's the difference between extroverts that are good and extroverts that are bad. And introverts, it's all about the ideas. So here I am with the ideas. So I know an introvert, he's often known as one of the best communicators in the United States, and he's a full-on introvert. But for him, he spends a whole bunch of time and he really comes up and writes about ideas that people really care for. And as a result of that, what happens? He comes alive when he's speaking. It doesn't even matter if people are really there. He's just going to speak that content and he wants that content to feed people. That's a lot of the differences between the two. Yeah. Introverts like me, if I work on it on my own, there's a combination of those two. Uh, A fair amount of people are more along that spectrum versus one or the other. Right. Right. So as a communication coach, what would you say is some of the most important work that you're doing right now? Again and again and again, a lot of people who come meet with me, they're, they're, I mean, I have NFL coaches, I have professional athletes, I have politicians, I have people that can't really talk about it at all that I have to sign NDAs for. And then I have just a ton of mid to high level professionals. And again and again and again, they come to me just thinking that they need to improve some skills. Mike, I'm not very good with my tone of voice and I need to be able to go up and down. I need to get rid of um and er and right and just help me help me develop some skills. And when we work together, one of the most important things that they realize is, wow, there's a lot more to communication than just skill, than just writing something. Mm. So a lot of people end up, even after a couple of sessions, when we're working on the first part of the first source of confidence and communication, which is identity, they go, man, I've never thought about myself like that before. Well, wow. I've never, I've never processed that. There are a few people who've gone to professional counseling, even after beginning to work with me. It's like they unearth something going, oh, but they never knew. And now they go, oh, so there's this holism that a lot of people experience. And we're talking, some of the guys I work with are these big, huge buff dudes, the CEOs of companies that just on the outside, they're everything that you would imagine success is. And yet in this one area, they feel, they feel like they're not top notch. They feel worth less than others. And as a result of this, they end up feeling this sinking up of who they are. And it's really cool. Now that's a personal level. You asked about what is important about that. That's on a personal level. On the external level, what's amazing is think about communication. Some of the biggest things in life have happened through huge speeches. I have a dream and many other ones. And speeches can communicate, speeches can change lives. One of the coolest things is getting to work with that person and sometimes working with their speech that then goes out and changes lives. So I got to work with one international agency that is that people would be aware of and I helped write the speech. And knowing that that speech went out to a huge audience to have this impact, it was pretty darn cool. That's exciting. That's very cool. So speeches tend to be the the kind of uh, you know obvious and initial place we go to when it comes to communication. But 
uh, for a lot of executives, they don't spend a whole lot of their time giving speeches, right? They're not preparing for their next TED talk or or whatever it may be. So, where do you feel? Uh, where do you feel the biggest lever? So, if you, if you could just say, hey, if most people could improve their communication in this area, it'd make a massive difference in, in their productivity, their effectiveness, their happiness, whatever it may be. Yeah. So let me disagree with you on the speeches. Although they don't give a formal speech, they speak all the time and they give all kinds of speeches that if they thought of as speeches, their productivity would go way up. Great so I met with a group, a thousand person, uh, a thousand person organization. And when I met with them, I audited their, their meetings. So on the, on a low average, they were having three between all of their technical people, their management, everybody. So they were having three meetings per week on a low, low average. Every meeting was an hour. Out of that hour, 20 minutes were wasted. Okay, so 20 minutes times three meetings, that's one hour. They were wasting on a minimum 1,000 hours per week. Wow. So even put a very low amount of dollar per hour on that, and you're talking tens of thousands of dollars every single month that they're wasting simply because of very poor communication. Things like at the beginning of a meeting, doing things like, all right, well, yeah, so, ooh, yeah. And then they do like one of these openers where you, you're kind of reading the audience and you're not quite ready and you're not, really confident so you do something like yeah everybody everybody doing good right here all right yeah cool all right that kind of stuff repeatedly throughout it as well as not being prepared and so they're trying to figure out what they're saying as they go so their poor speaking of course this is just a team meeting but still speaking because of poor team meeting leadership because of poor team meeting speaking because of poor presentations they're wasting tens of thousands of dollars. Well, we need to start thinking of speaking as all encompassing whenever I'm getting across my message. So an update in a meeting, a, Hey, tell me about yourself, an interview. So speaking is a universal advantage. That means that if you can increase your speaking in one area, it will, it will go across to other areas. And it doesn't matter if you're a CEO or a truck driver, truck driver or a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter. If your speaking can increase, can improve, you'll come across more productive. You'll get your ideas across. You'll get more buy-in. You'll persuade people. More people will see you as more credible, more confident. People will see you as productive. Take two people, exact same education, exact same IQ, exact same experience. Put them as twins in all areas of life. They're, they're kind, they're considerate, they're hardworking, all the things that you want. But one at a level eight of speaking and one at a level four, who do you think will rise to the top? Sure. By far the one with an eight, by far. So speaking is a universal advantage and it will help people in all areas. One of the worst things that people can do is undermine that and really just think, you know what, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm. It's, you know, it's just speaking. And I have this happen on a regular basis. In fact, in fact, Scott here yesterday, I was talking with a person, VP of a specific role in a growing company of hundred and something now. And they, they hired this guy, we'll just call him John. They hired a guy named John and they, they elevate him to a pretty darn high role, just below C-suite. He's a horrible speaker. 
and they're frustrated with him. They're like, Mike, you got to work with him. Like, I only work with people who want to work with me. And when I got on the call with him, it was evident to me that he didn't want to work with me, that he wouldn't do it. He said, well, why not? I mean, I mean, he realizes, I said, yeah, but you elevated him to that platform. So he sees his current speaking as already providing him everything he needs to be at the level he's at. So you hired him with something that frustrates. So if you want him to change, you got to be very direct with him and you have to make the pain of change of staying the same greater than the pain of change. Because right now for him to change what he needs to change, it, it would be painful for him to commit that time. Yeah. Okay. So what is that one thing? And you asked me, what is the number one thing? The number one thing that frustrates and annoys and takes away and makes you look less confident is the use of fillers. And in my book, Speak With Confidence, I talk about different fillers. The one that we're probably most commonly using is um. The second one that people commonly use is some kind of extra word like right, you know, anyways, or anything that is a filler. Yeah, this so I catch myself doing that all the time, all the time, especially going back through these recordings. It's like, oh no, I did it again. Uh, it's so easy to <laughs> yeah. do that. So uh, it's it's a great great point there. Now I'm going to be self conscious the rest of this episode, but uh, there's <laughs> yeah, a yeah, yeah. there's yeah. A, a question that I have here, and, and this to me is it's actually one of my biggest struggles, and that is the idea of preparation and practice ahead of time. And sure. as in business, we're very bad at practicing just across the board, right? Everything is we're in the game, we're going. There's not this kind of clear like, hey, sit down and practice. Okay, you're in the game, go. And because of that, I think we have a, a habit of undervaluing and under um, exercising both practice and preparation. So when it comes to something like a meeting and setting up, you, you mentioned this earlier, you know, the, the kind of generic, hey, how's everyone doing? How do you prepare for and open a meeting well? Is is there something that you can do to practice that to be better at it when the moment shows up? Yeah, the vast majority of of basketball practice or at least professional sport practice happens void of an actual game. So it's happening just on the court. It's happening by yourself. It's Michael Jordan shooting and shooting and shooting. It's LeBron James getting up at four a.m. in the morning, or I mean, was that Kobe Bryant? getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning. It's, it's a lot of it is on your own. A lot of it is in front of a mirror. A lot of it is with a couple of people that you trust, your team. So you don't actually have to practice exactly the meeting again and again. You just need to practice. And so a lot of the clients I work with, they're doing two minutes of practice a day. You just by themselves in front of a mirror, typically after they brush their teeth. And you're just practicing good speaking skills. And that's what you're doing basketball. It's not that you're doing all this all the time or all this all the time. You're just practicing this and this and this and this at different times. So what can you do to grab a hold of a meeting? One, you can set a culture because a lot of the problem of speaking is the culture that is in. And a lot of, I mean, if you think about churches, that's my background, right? Why does one church speak this way? One church speak this way? One church have an hour long sermon? One church have a 20 minute sermon? One church higher energy? One church is is because of the different culture of it. Why is it that people can go to one of the um, annual MacBook addresses and listen for a whole hour? It's because Steve Jobs developed a culture. Now, Tim Cook stepped into it and did it well. So first, you got to develop a culture. So when I was in an executive role for a short period of time in the business world, one of the things I did is I set a culture that as soon as we started the meeting, we started. 
So at eight o'clock, I'd be outside greeting people beforehand. I'd walk up in front and start the meeting. But that was a culture that I set. So if some people listening to this right here went and did that tomorrow, and then what often happens, changed it shortly after that, it's kind of like, whoa, 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 whiplash. I don't know what's happening right here. So set a culture, stick to it. Of course, you can make changes gradually over time, but then grab a hold of their attention, let them know what this meeting's about, unpack it, and then end on purpose. So think about how I said that, grab their attention. Often what we do is the opposite. Yeah, so, all right, well, all right, well, let me get this PowerPoint started right here. Okay, just hold on one second. Okay, you already lost everybody's attention. So get their attention and then get into what this is about. So you can tie those two together. My second book, Write to Speak, is about that. I also write about that and Speak with Confidence. It's something I coach people with. So say, for example, you start off with a statement that says, our productivity is lower than ever. Quick stat shows up. Today, we're going to work on increasing our productivity. Okay, now everybody is, my mind shifted what I'm going into. I didn't need to know about the weather. I just cut 20 minutes off the, the whole time. Because we're going to talk about productivity, I'm not going to throw in how this department over here is doing this something over here and how this new update of the software is over here. I'm going to stay on track. And I'll talk about productivity at the end. I'm not going to be like, yeah, so, well, um, well, that's, I guess that's what we're about to do. And a lot of people just wrap up with some kind of lame ending and said, so I want you to go back to your desk. I want you to write down one thing that you can enact today. Mm. And then you have your closing statement. So that right there is a system. And I'm all about systems for repeated communication. And you can practice the system. All right, today I'm doing this. Basically, just what I did right there. Boom, 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 boom. Practice the system. Practice the system. Intentional communication like that will dramatically reduce business time. And now people will say sometimes, well, you know, part of that is connection. Good. Connect on purpose instead of accidental. So good. So uh, I'd love to kind of pull this all together, put a bow on it. There's a question I like to ask everybody, and it's this. What's the biggest secret you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everybody listening and watching today knew? Yeah. So I talked about the three sources of confidence and communication. Most books are going to focus on skills. Here's how you should get rid of fillers. Here's how you should do something. A lot of books will also work on messaging, how to organize your thoughts. But very few books... I'm glad this isn't my middle finger I'm holding up as I'm counting down my fingers. The, the, the third one is your identity. It's who you are. A big source of communication is really understanding of confidence and communication is understanding who you are. I think a lot of people really haven't thought through that. It's not something that you know exactly. It's changing. It's morphing and ebbs and flows. But the more comfortable you are with your strengths, your weaknesses, your personality versus others, and really who you are, ultimately, you are the message. The reason why you don't just send in your PowerPoint slides or just send in a recording of your your voice and everybody just listens to it or listens to Siri reading is because they want you. They hired you. You are the message. So get very comfortable with you. 
That's so good. Yeah, that is so, so good. Uh, so on, on that note, it's a great segue into uh, last question for you, and then we'll make sure folks know how to get a copy of your book. Uh, but the question is this, uh, take off your coach hat for a moment, put on your, your CEO hat, be the message for us here in this moment as well. And tell what's the next stage of growth look like for you and your business and what challenges will you have to overcome to get there? Yeah, the difficulty for me is that I went from large teams, a Fortune 500 company, super large teams in church. I mean, the last team I ever saw in church was 70 plus. And <laughs> so for me to go into growing, it really means I have to expand again and do large teams again. And I did that for about 20 years of my professional life. So there's been this reticence on my behalf on scaling. And just going, you know, it was just be me and my 14 members and let's just not grow. And that has that has taken opportunity. So I quickly grew to to six figures and then doubled it, tripled it within the couple of years that I did this. But that has now I'm stuck in a spot and I'm just thinking, do I want to grow more? Do I want to scale? Do I want to launch? Do I want to build out or so that's really that's really where I'm at this spot. I'm actually going away in December, kind of to an entrepreneurial gathering, and I'm really going to be considering this. And I'm going to walk away either going, okay, I'm going to do this, or I'm just going to enjoy where I'm at. And there's pros and cons of both. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And I love the thing that I love about that is uh, up and to the right is an option. It's not that you don't have that option, but you you have the the sobriety, if you will, to just say, hey, is that right? Uh, you, you've done that. You've tried that. Is it the right thing? And it's not always up and to the right. There are other things in life that matters, other things in work that matters. So well done on that. Uh, it's not an easy choice, but it's an important one. And uh, I look forward to to seeing where you land on that. But before we go, uh, you've got a bunch of books out. But tell us about the the the, the kind of the main one right now, the the most recent. Uh, I believe it was published by Wiley. Tell us the the title and where we can find it. Yeah, so it's called Speak with Confidence. And I've literally gone to I think I'm now at four different Barnes and Noble. I've gone to the reference section, pulled it off of the public speaking spot in Manhattan and other places. It's been pretty cool to see. It is it is really my framework it is my hallmark coaching it's what i've been doing now for well, full time for four years and then for 20 years altogether. speak with confidence walking you through three sources of confidence and communication just had someone this morning wrote me you on know, linkedin was talking about how it was a game changer for them i think it's about 200 reviews right now so be very helpful and be honored if you get it on audio or from from barnes and noble or amazon or wherever you might want to pick it up Fantastic. Go ahead and grab a copy of that book. You will not regret it. Mike, thank you so much for being on. Just an honor and privilege having you here. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, you know your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you get as much out of this conversation as I know I did. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com 
And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.